I got five on it. You know what else I got five on? This replay episode of our top five Blumhouse pictures. Celebrating today's release of Us by the magnanimous and magnificent Jordan Peele. I speak not only for myself, but also for Jay when I say this is one movie we can't wait to get tethered to. Go out today, listen to this episode, get hype, go buy your tickets, Go see us tonight. Welcome, Fivers, to another episode of High Five, the podcast, the movie podcast for people who like other stuff, too. On this week's episode, your hosts Q and Jay dive into some of their favorite movies and hopefully talk about some of your favorites, too. Feel free to yell at your speakers when we ignore your favorites, or you could just tweet at us with your choices, like an adult. Now, let's join Q and Jay in the writer's room as they dive in. Fair warning, this podcast may contain spoilers for movies that came out 20 years ago, but at this point, that's really your fault. And now, on with the show. Money. Money makes the world go around. The world go around. The world go around. Money makes the world go around. It makes the world go round. Jay. Yeah? Jay, I have an idea for a movie. Okay. And I, I want to hear it. I need mm, $5 million. Okay, so I'm starting J House, Horror Productions, and Crockery, where we also make, like, vases and things. So I've got an idea. Okay. You ready? Here it is. Mm-hmm. Pitch it to me. Two guys. Okay. All right. I'm in it. I'm already into it. One microphone. Okay. All right. It's about podcasters that have to share a microphone. That's unheard of. I know. It's mind-blowing. The whole movie is only going to take place in one location. I love it. In the recording booth. Okay. And it's just going to be two men really dealing with the fact that they only have one microphone that works between them. Great. And just trying to really figure out how to give each other equal space and time on that while also drifting through space and time. Ooh, okay. I like that twist right? at the end. So You didn't see that coming. How, how can you make this for $5 million? Well, here's the deal. You ready? Yes. One person. I'm thinking uh-huh. one actor okay. for both roles. Ooh, okay? I like it. So then I you're like also it. trying to figure out the whole time if this is all just in one person's head. Mm. Or if it really is two identical podcasters <laughs> drifting through space trying to share one microphone. All right. Well, here's the deal. I'll give you the $5 million. Perfect. But I'm not going to give you a penny more, and it has to come out in three weeks, and you have to make at least ten times the profit. Uh, perfect. High five. Should we high five? High five. High five. High five. High five. High five, son. Woo! High five. Don't let me hang it. Q. Hey, Jay. I am excited to be here recording another High Five Colon the podcast with you. I am excited to also be recording High Five Colon the podcast and not having to share a microphone. I I think, you know, the the sci-fi fantasy pitch that you just gave me, Yes, it, it sent fizzles down my whole body. Now, I do have to tell you, I've thought about it mm-hmm. in the 30 seconds since you pitched it, and I sure. agreed to it, and we high-fived over it. Yes. Um, binding contract, it, by it the is, way. It is. Legally um, binding in Missouri. T- totally fine. There's a couple hiccups, though. Okay. One, I do not have $5 million. All right. Two... Uh, you do not have a script. Yes. And three, Jason Blum has still not returned any of my emails asking him about this pitch for you. Got it. So I'm pretty much at a standstill. We can still make the movie. Got it. But the actor has to be me. Okay. Or my dog. One of one of the two. Um, I can give you five hundred grands. 
like the little candy oh, bars. Oh, like the candy bars? Yes. Okay. And we have to use that for the entire set decoration. Uh-huh. And catering. It's a tight budget. Ooh. Okay. Third, everybody has to be shirtless. Got it. Even like the DPs and everyone behind the camera. Got it. Okay. Also, uh, I've noticed that you, you, because you actually wrote this down, you slid over a new like paper contract to me. Yeah. And I'm reading it. And your last one says, also, no cameras. Right. It's going to be completely a mental picture. So this is a, a mental picture? Yeah. I see what you did there. That's funny. <laughs> uh, so this is a live movie for no audience that can't be seen anywhere that is basically you and I both shirtless sharing 100 grand candy bars. Yeah. I love I it. I think it's going to be big. <laughs> this is going to be five. amazing. That's another high five. I, I'm so into this picture. Me too. I I don't think I could get producers on board. Fast you ready enough. to have your bl- your mind blown? I Here's am. the M Night Shyamalan twist. It's already happening. Did <gasps> you notice that I took my shirt off and I'm eating a hundred grand candy bar? I did notice. Did that. Did you notice that I took your shirt off and put a hundred hundred grand I candy bar in your mouth? I did notice that. It's happening. This right is the now, movie. We're living our truth. You guys are listening to us living our truth. That's right. We're living our movie truth. Thank you, Oprah and The Secret. (laughs) So, uh, speaking of successful movie franchises and production companies, uh, you and I have decided to talk about one of our favorites. We have, and this is a a more modern favorite. You know, we put out uh, on, on, on social media this week asking people what production companies and distribution companies... And, Were their favorites. Yeah, you know, and what names get you excited. Because I remember growing up, you know, seeing... Uh, you know, seeing Paramount or seeing sure. a Touchstone or seeing the Castle Rock seeing logo. Seeing that flying horse come exactly. across the screen. Or, or hearing the, like, the do-do-do-do-do-do-do. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> and then, like, the, Disney, the blue screen Disney castle, and then you just saw the, like, the arc go over yeah. it. Yeah. See, those types of things, you know, I got so excited growing up seeing those because you know, like, what's going to be a good movie. Well, nowadays we have a bunch of new ones, and one of our favorites, when we talk about a yeah. lot, and one that we're talking about this week, primarily because Black Klansman is coming out and right. they're helping be behind it, is the Blumhouse. asylum. No, oh. sorry, <laughs> <laughs> no, no, that's Sharknado. Got it. Um, that's very different than that's Black Klansman. Shark Klansman. Got it. With three Ks. Got it. And, Shark. Uh, yeah, and uh, trust me, it's horrendous and very, very insensitive. Yes. Uh, so no one wants to watch that. One. Terribly racist. Yeah. No, this one we're actually talking this episode about Blumhouse. Yeah. Uh, Jason Blum's passion project that has turned into, hell, at this point, a a process by which films are made. For sure. Um, and and recognized one of the most, by other studios. And one of the most financially successful yeah. production companies. Which is, I, I, I don't want to say it's crazy, but it's sort of baffling in this day and age where all we hear is, oh, ticket prices are increasing because the movie revenue is dropping and the industry is hurting and the, the ticket sales are down and movie pass is going out of business 18 times. Did you hear their most recent thing, by the way? Where they're automatically re-enrolling people <laughs> yeah, who have canceled? Who are canceling their subscriptions? <laughs> I saw that. What the, the, uh, that is the biggest fuck you in the world to be like, I am deleting my subscription. But like, no, you're not. <laughs> Logged back in. Log- Thank you for your subscription yeah. and continued support as we transition to a better service. <laughs> for we you. Continued- We're doing this for you. And you can't leave. Right. MoviePass is like the Hotel California <laughs> subscription <laughs> services. You can check out any time, but you can <laughs> never leave. <laughs> Thank you for getting that. Yeah. You're welcome. But, but I mean, honestly, as we started to go down, you know, we know Black Klansman's coming out this week. Both of us are very excited to go see it. But then as we started to talk about more of the Blumhouse movies, yeah. we started to realize, like, damn, we see a lot of Blumhouse movies. For sure. Not only do we see a lot of Blumhouse movies, but especially as of late, and I, I think, you know, they were already on the map for movies like uh, Insidious. Right. Uh, Sinister kind of put them there for these horror movies. But one of the movies that I feel like really catapulted them to kind of somewhere. Okay, so I would say that they were straight up a genre studio, right? Oh, I, and yeah. if you saw Blumhouse movies, you were like, "Oh, cool! This is going to be a good horror movie." Yes, right? it, but nothing more. Like this is going to be a good, like enjoyable right. time. And then you had studios like we've talked about A twenty four, Neon, 
Right. Some of these indie studios that you're like, shit, if these people are involved, this is going to be a movie that's like culturally significant. Well, A24 is a big one because that is actually one of the ones I pitched to you for this episode. Exactly. I've been watching a shit ton of A24 movies lately without realizing it. One of the movies that I actually watched over the weekend is First Reform. Got it. uh, With Ethan Hawke, the new uh, Paul Schrader movie. I wanted to see that. Yeah, yeah. It's fucking amazing. Like, it. I am. It's like four days later that we're recording this since sure. I've watched it. I am still like wrestling with this movie. Ooh! Like it, it, the movie caused me anxiety that lasted for a couple of days. Jesus! To the point where I am not sure where I land on what I think. Not only the I know what the message basically is, but where I stand on how I feel about that message and how they portrayed it. It's just wonderful. How and is Ethan Hawke in that movie? He it might be the best thing I've ever seen him do. Really? Like outside of the before movies, which you know I'm just a huge fan sure. of. Yeah, like, absolutely. I, I love those. But I think this is might be the epiphany of masterclass for Ethan Hawke in acting. Really? Let me tell you why. It's unbelievably subtle. You know, Ethan Hawke is a lot of times like, hey, the crazy guy, I'm super cool. And sure. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. This is not that. This is a not guy that. who has basically lost his family, has converted into the ministry, and is struggling with his faith. And he's very quiet, he's very reserved, and he's very thoughtful, which isn't usually an Ethan Hawke character. Sure. And he kills it in this movie. Interesting. So I actually pitched to you before this. I'm not going to tell you anything else about it because okay. I want yeah, I you to watch it. it. And then I want us to actually sit down and have an episode about Paul Schrader movies. Okay. Like yeah. Taxi we can driver, totally American that. gigolo, uh, first reform, definitely. And talk about the impact that he's brought into um, it. But I mean like a 24 before we move into Blumhouse. Yeah. I mean, let's just, I'll go eighth grade. I'll go down through the list. We've got eighth grade, which both you and I are very excited to see. Bo Way Burnham's. to go. Bo, go Bo Burnham. Yep. Um, Way to go, Bo. Hereditary. Which, which I have out, not seen, which, but I've heard amazing things Amazing about. things. Honestly, it sort of felt like it could have been a Blumhouse movie. Just totally. that dark horror, family-based horror. Um, Lean on Pete, which is getting a lot of attention I don't even this know year. what that is. It's about a horse. Oh, okay. It's about a boy and his relationship with a horse, and it's supposed to be very moving and wonderful. Does it, does it have a naked Daniel Radcliffe? No, no, that's uh, Equus. Got and it. And that's a play, and that's uncomfortable. Um, they've so got... it's that was lean on peen. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Right. That was yeah. lean well on peen. High five. <laughs> Thanks. I'll give you a high five for that one. Um, let's see other A twenty four ones. You know, Disaster Artist and Lady Bird, which were wonderful. saw Disaster Artist. That movie was awesome. Uh, Lady Bird is fantastic. Killing of a Sacred Deer, which haven't seen that, but that follow was up the, to the Lobster, which the was lobster. also A twenty four, also awesome. Um, you know, uh, Moonlight, which I loved. I know you haven't seen yet. I still haven't seen. Uh, it. Free Fire, which you have seen. Yes, it comes at night. Which ben you Wheatley. Have seen. Oh, Ben Wheatley. Come on, man. That's a killer director. For anybody, uh, I know we're talking about A twenty four, but Ben Wheatley in general, check out. Uh, uh, the, was it the Kill List? And then the Sightseers. Uh, I think. Sightseers. Kill List is still my favorite. Of a his. Field in England. Oh, that one's really good. Which too. is really weird and trippy. Yeah. Um, but he does this, and then he does that. What's that fucking movie with um, Tom Hiddleston that oh, came out? Oh, it's okay. That one I always get confused because it's like High Rise. The High Rise, or there That's was another show that came out around the same time about a tall another, building, like, towering, but it. It starred, I think, the dude from House, not Tom Hiddleston. So oh, I yeah. kind of got him confused. But yeah, um, so A24 is one of those modern studios that I'll basically – I'll see their logo and just get super excited because they're like they did the, the Florida Project. Yeah. It's, their whole repertoire is just great. But Blumhouse is like is Well, like that's what that. I was going to say. So um, about – is it two years ago now or a year ago they released Get Out? And I think Get Out – elevated that studio and and really a lot of thanks has to mm-hmm. do to jordan peele a lot does yeah. and that movie in general for not only being a genre flick which it is absolutely a genre movie like a horror mm-hmm. genre movie but also being one of the most culturally relevant and significant yes. movies in the last decade that i can remember like one that really resonated all cultural bounds and stereotypes like it it brought things to the forefront i would say that it was it was pre a lot of the movements that we have going on right right now um but it was perfectly right in tune with kind of 
um, America dealing with the Black Lives Matter movement and dealing with a lot of these kind of social, um, cultural upheavals in like ways of thinking. And this movie was one of the first that I remember going to see. And um, the theater had uh, the first time I saw the movie, the theater was uh, was primarily black. Mm -hmm. And then when I went the second time, the theater was primarily white. And I can say that the reactions coming out of the movie were the same. Yeah. For the most part. And that shit blew my mind. Well, I remember you going to see it multiple times because you saw it, I think, like three times before I got around to being able to see it. And you just kept saying, you have to see this movie. You have to see this movie. And that's one of the ones I do remember them, especially Blumhouse in particular, that being one of the first ones that happened to. Now, I will say, let's take a step back a year or two before that because I think they got a little bit of a footing into that level with Whiplash. Oh, that's right. I forgot because about that. that one you got a lot of. Oscar but I would buzz. say, but I would say, but those are two different. I'm saying oh, yeah. like culturally that's impactful. Whiplash w- was good, but I it was think, not like a culturally significant movie. And I, I think that's the level that that Get Out brought right. because before that, Blumhouse was more known for the genre horror, or even before they dedicated themselves to genre horror, they had things like The Tooth Fairy with sure. uh, you know Dwayne the Rock Johnson, so who we love. Um, so I think once they de- decided on horror, they went full tilt into it, but then were able to step up their game to get some respect yeah. with like Whiplash but and see, then cultural relevance. With, so with can Get I? Out. So let me say this: I have a good concept of kind of how I think Blumhouse has managed to do that. I I would love to hear it because I have a thought as well. So I feel like Blumhouse makes accessible highbrow genre movies. So they make movies that are accessible to a mainstream audience, Sure, but they're selling highbrow concepts and ideas mm-hmm. in a very open and accessible platform. Sure. So where you have your A24s and your neons, a lot of those are not, I would say some of those movies are not the most easily accessible movies. Oh, of And course. accessible yeah. in the sense that, and I don't mean accessible as in like, you can only watch it in one theater and <laughs> blah, blah, blah. I mean accessible in the sense that like. The Killing of a Sacred Deer is right, not going to be for everyone. everyone. And it's going to be kind of hard to get into. And unless this is your thing and what yeah. you're looking to see, then you may not get it. But I feel like Blumhouse takes these really highbrow concepts mm. and has a way of kind of distilling it down. They picked, they pick projects that are, that have mass appeal. And I yeah. think that has to do with their structure because obviously they want to pick projects that are going to have some viability as sure, far as sure. like people seeing them. So they're not going to pick totally unapproachable movies, but they also want to do things that are different because their budgets are so low and that they can take risks they're mandatorily low too, right. because I was listening to a, another podcast that had Jason Blum on there, and he was basically saying that we just won't make a movie for more than five million dollars. We just won't do sure. it. So we won't even accept projects that are like you can't do that for under five million dollars. It's just the model that they use, right? And I think that's really, really smart of them because I remember uh, reading a little bit of history for the studio. And they really hadn't figured out what that model was or what they wanted to be until Paranormal Activity yep. came along. That's what I was going to say. So Paranormal Activity cost the studio $15,000. Yeah. And it Crazy. made it made $193 million. Mm-hmm. I mean, that is the largest profit margin on a movie. I'm going to venture that that's the highest profit on a movie ever. It, I mean, percentage-wise, it might be. I think Blair Witch had something crazy like that because it, you know, Blair Witch was only like twenty thousand or however much I forget. But I remember that story being passed around around Blair Witch. But this one was just exponentially larger. But then they did it again with Insidious. They spent one point five million dollars on Insidious and made ninety-seven million dollars. Yeah. They did it again with Sinister. They. Made, they made it for $3 million, another Ethan Hawke movie. That's true. And it grossed $87 million. What about The Purge, also starring Ethan Hawke? Um, they don't have a list on that. Uh, 
But that one's in there. Like that it one's is, no, it's their absolutely model. on there. Um, the Conjuring is also in that model. Yep. A lot of Patrick Wilson in these. A lot uh, of James Wan. A lot of James Wan, a lot of Patrick Wilson, a lot of Ethan Hawke. Yep. These are personal friends of James Blum, I happen to know. But we've got um, these directors that, that they're working with that are coming out of the Blumhouse kind of like stable of guys are amazing. We've got James Wan. Right. We've got Mike, Mike Flanagan. Oh, Mike, who I love. Man, because Hush and Oculus were both done through Blumhouse. And, and the Doctor Sleep that's upcoming exactly. is being done through Blumhouse. So we've also got uh, M. Night Shyamalan is producing right. through them. And Scott Derrickson, right? Who is now doc? He's moved on to the MCU with Doctor Strange. Which it, I was so happy to see. I mean, whatever your feelings on Doctor Strange were, I think it's a perfectly serviceable MCU totally. movie. Totally. But I think the visuals that he brought to that were awesome. Were like next level Marvel stuff. It was for great. sure great. And so yeah, I I agree with that. Now, while we're talking about directors, I think there's a key ingredient in the formula you mentioned earlier that Blumhouse has that that other studios aren't using that really make it really allow this to happen and that's passion. Yeah. Because one of the things that James Blum is very open about is because we're not spending a lot of money on these movies, a lot of money in studio terms because sure. you know 5 million dollars is a lot of money, but they're not spending a lot of studio money. Um, and they're also putting it up where there's not a lot of risk for anyone who would distribute it through their network because Blumhouse puts up a lot of the upfront cost. Right. And so basically Jason Blum says, we just find people who are passionate about their job, about the stories, and sort of let them do whatever they want. Right. Like uh, there's a lot of stories, especially around Jordan Peele and Get Out, because, you know, be like, oh, we can't film, hit, film here, but we need to film in Atlanta. Can you make that work because of – you know, budgetary reasons. And then, you know, Jordan Peele will come back and be like, it'll work, but if I can do this and this and this with the story, and they're like, do whatever you want with the story, it's fine. I think the only change that uh, Get Out was required to make was the ending. I think the original ending was too much of a bummer. I don't even know that they – I don't know that they re were required to. He just to. asked, I yeah. think I think they did a studio test screening, I and so. I think people were kind of like, well, that's – well, shit, that's, that's kind a of a lot of dark – That's a big that's bummer. That's kind of a bummer ending. Um, which is fair, and for those who don't know, spoiler alert for the next like minute and a half while we talk about this. Right. But for them, for that, for those who haven't se or those who have seen Get Out, the movie ends with the main character basically escaping the family, right, and being saved by his friend Rod, right, um, the airport security guard. And it's honestly pretty wonderful. It's and, a better ending, right, and it's great. But the original ending had the police, so had what you thought was the police in mm. the actual ending rolling up, but it actually was Rod. It, it was them. And, um, and he the, gets yeah. arrested in the original version. He gets arrested for murdering and the whole thing. goes to jail. Yeah. And it just ends with Rod basically visiting him in prison and saying, Hey man, like I'm going to get you out We're of here. Fight this and and yeah. him basically being like, no, yeah. like don't, don't bother right like there's no chance and then it just ends on that downer of a note of him yeah. just like accepting his fate in prison forever right because this white family died and you know for me i i can understand why jordan peele wanted that ending for sure especially given the rest of the endings in the blumhouse universe think of oculus think of for paranormal sure. activity they all have think these real sinister. downturn endings yeah uh, so I can understand why he wanted that. I personally think the ending they ended on works so much better. Um, but you know, I can I understand the back and forth. But I do think them finding directors that are passionate about their projects really makes a difference. Mike Flanagan is a wonderful example. Right. Mike Flanagan desperately wanted to make you know Stephen King stories and desperately wanted to make these movies, and so he was able to do Oculus and Hush. And I think the Ouija sequel, Ouija Origins of Evil. Yeah. He did all those through Blumhouse to Luigi, show. Luigi, Origins of Evil. Not Luigi. It's a me. It's a green Mario. It's a me, a Luigi who is not dead. <laughs> um, but uh, imagine if that was how a Ouija board worked. A Luigi board? A Luigi board. <gasps> I'm putting that on Instagram. You got a it. Luigi board. A Luigi board. All right. To make a note, check our Instagram later. It's going to be there. <laughs> Luigi uh, board. Uh, it's a me. I'm a dead. <laughs> <laughs> Ghosts. <laughs> I give you messages from the other side. <laughs> whoop, we... whoop, whoop, whoop. That was the warp <laughs> pipe down to hell. 
<laughs> it's so cheery, like. Boop, 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 boop. It, but it's you. I need like a metal cover of like the dungeon music. Oh, that that totally exists. I bet you could find it to put over right here in this silence. See, that was awesome. That was cool. You're probably gonna edit nothing into that. Oh, it's just gonna be you going. Listen. Nothing. Yeah, nothing. But it's like Luigi saying, I'm just going to edit uh, yes. cricket sounds in. <laughs> that would be awesome. I hope you, I really hope you do that. But he's like spelling it out and be like, you know, are you there? Uh, yes. <laughs> uh, yeah. uh, no. I uh, know. In. Uh, oh. A B. I don't know what I'm spelling. <laughs> I was about to say in knob. Knob. Knobless. Knobless. No, nobody's. I don't, nobody's. But whatever. Mike Flanagan is great. Yes. And he did a lot through Blumhouse. And then he did um, Gerald's Game for Netflix. I don't yeah. think that was through Blumhouse. I don't though. think so. Either way, it was wonderful. Um, but yes, allowing the directors and having the leeway to say, well, we're only spending $5 million on this. So it kind of, if it bombs, who cares? We're going to make our money back. Sure. So having that freedom and being able to say to directors, make this the movie you want to make it. I think opens up a lot because, I mean, what do we hear from other studios is, oh, well, this movie would have been good, but the studio notes sort of destroyed it. So we had to make it a four quadrant winner. You know, it had to win on all demographic levels and it's just not going to work that way. Not every movie can be Infinity War. Like it can't be For that sure, massive it's not going to work. You can't fit that much movie into every movie. I totally agree. Um, but it is interesting, like looking through the Blumhouse like catalog of movies it is interesting that they kind of go for like really they they run the gamut on types of movies. They really do. So like they're synonymous mentioned. now with like genre. Mm. You ask most people what a Blum a Blumhouse movie is, and they'd be like, "Oh, it's a horror movie, right? Like, whatever." Like the Daniel Craig movie, with but the they've ghost got kids. like Tooth Fairy, mm-hmm. um, Best the, Night Ever, the the Rock movie. Mm-hmm. They've got Best Night Ever. They've got the Baby Makers, which is a movie that. Yeah. Put out by Jay Chandra Heskar, who oh, yeah. was um, who did like Beer Fest and Super Troopers. So they've got, I mean, on the flip side of that, they've got the Normal Heart, which was the LGBTQ oh, right. uh, movie that was like really. I think Ruffalo was in that, and it was, was supposed to be really good. I don't think I didn't ever see that one. But then um, you've got Whiplash. Yeah, um, I forgot about this movie. Did you ever see Stretch? No, the Joe Carnahan movie. Uh. Uh-uh. What's that about? Um, so basically, it's Patrick Wilson. Again. Ed Helms. Ooh, okay. Chris Pine. And Jessica Alba. How did I miss this? What, uh, what's directed this about? by Joe Carnahan. Is it about um, Stretch Armstrong? Nope. It's oh, a damn. man nicknamed Stretch is thrown out of his car after traffic traffic accident. He's like a limo driver. Okay. In which the other driver ignores a red light. And basically, he, it's it's kind of like crank but without the plot device of like is he just like gonna die like stuck in town and he's going after and he's just dealing with all of this like crazy insanity like the mob and all these people so it's falling down made by blumhouse yeah but like funny okay funny falling down with michael douglas yeah funny falling down i mean falling down was pretty when most people fall down it's hilarious that's like all of what home uh america's funniest home video is exactly uh, but yeah, so that was an interesting one. I um, mean, even Black Klansman, who w- what we're talking about right now. Speaking not, of hilarious, not really a horror movie. No, know? it's not a horror movie at all. I, I would. I really, mean, it's a it's a horror of people, of movie. circumstance, sure. Right. Um, but you know, it's not really like a genre flick. No, you know but it's I mean? it's a Spike Lee joint. It is, which I'm very. And that's about. that was another thing that I was looking at. So as I'm looking at this list, the directors that have worked with Blumhouse are amazing like we've got like you said lee wanell spike lee i mean joel edgerton because he directed he the, the gift. gift didn't he write that too yes oh, which okay. that is another underrated movie that movie is it is well, based really on that like short that story that he really liked and then who was the main guy in that movie who's always a bad guy and great the guy who gives the box to it was joel Bush. edgerton no the old the older Oh, who am I thinking of? No, you're thinking of no, no, no. You're thinking of Richard Kelly and the box. Oh no, the okay, the gift was the gift the was Jason Bateman. Yes, and that, that movie okay. was 
awesome. Yeah. Okay. You're right. No, it no. Was. You're thinking of Richard Kelly's The Box, and that I am. Was, I was, um, I was. It was. It was uh, fucking what's his name from? Um, is it? I can't remember his name. The box, the gift. Come on, if they're they're uh, they yeah. work. They, it works. It works. It, it's, it we're just yeah. It's it goes the same. Movie. It plays. It plays. Um, but I mean, shit. Like Rob somebody, Zombie. Rob Zombie. James Wan. Um, Henry, Jordan, Jordan Peele. Scott Derrickson. Um, there was one I saw on here. The Bay. Um, where is it? Barry Levinson. Oh, I was about to say Michael Bay. Nope. Uh, but just like a fuck ton, Ryan Murphy. Yeah. Now Ryan Murphy did the normal heart, what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. But Ryan Murphy, people would mostly know him from uh, American Horror Story. I was gonna say Nip, Nip Tuck. Tuck. Uh, with the uh, that the, fucking OJ. Well, and now the um, Giov- Giovanni, whatever the murder assassination of Versace. Versace. Yeah. Yep. He's doing that one. Um, and then uh oh oh the critically acclaimed Scream Queens on Fox. Mm-hmm. That got like three seasons, I think. Yeah. And three people watched it. <laughs> Somehow for three <laughs> yeah. seasons. Ugh. We did I tell you we watched like the first episode of that that show, the first season? No. It was abysmal. Was it? It was terrible. Sorry, looked, Ryan Murphy. You're so sucked. It like, looked dumb. Sucked. Oh, hard. also Ryan Murphy of Glee fame. Oh right. He did Glee. Oh yeah, that's right. That's kinda like what catapulted Scream Queens and all that. Yeah. Um, but he's got amazing movies on the come up. Yeah, like what's movies. coming up for, for So we've Blumhouse. got Halloween. Oh, the, the remake, new one. The Danny with, McBride yes. written, Gordon dude, Green directed. That poster was so good. Did you see the, yes. the re-release poster? Did you see the trailer? Yes. The movie looks fucking Like when amazing. he drops the teeth over the thing. Holy shit. I'm real excited about it. I liked the visual of him in the, like, psych ward prison compound just like in the like chain to a square in the center of it and just people like all around him with like fucking dogs and shit like that yeah i was like that just kind of standing there with the long hair i fucking loved it uh but we've got that they're doing a happy death day 2 meh i I don't think either of us no i didn't give a shit about that movie now granted we love blumhouse but not everything they do is going to be our favorite i didn't i think i didn't have a huge problem with happy death day in theory but I just think they they fumbled the third act for sure. Oh, for and sure. They pulled too many punches. That's the only one really that I can think well, of. Well, they had me at it's like Groundhog Day, but with, but murder. with murder. And I was right. like, holy shit, yeah. that sounds amazing. It does. Well, and given the other movies that that Blumhouse had done, you know, the paranormal activities, the sinisters, the insidiouses, they're not super gory. But they're at least very scary. Yeah, and, and this visceral. one I expected to be visceral and scary because the concept, in my mind, sort of plays that. Yeah, and I'm like, oh, cool, you're gonna kill people in like weird ways huh? every time. But I think the main character got like stabbed three or four of the times that she died. And I'm she like, hung well, herself boring. once. Yeah, got electric. You blown up like, that one time. You could have done some like crazy creative. Yeah. Murders. That movie, and I think it's you and I have talked about it a lot, and you know where I stand on this. That movie was so close to being something amazing, For like sure. with a couple, like, I know, with a good run through of the I script. Know. I know that's your, that's like worse than being bad. It is. Like I can enjoy a Sharknado because I can watch it and be like, oh, haha, funny, funny. Or I can enjoy. I know you saw the Meg. I haven't seen right. it, but if it's dumb, I can. I can enjoy the. Speaking Meg. of which, let's talk about that because it actually ties in perfectly. Oh, it does. To Happy Death Day. Really? Same same problem. Oh no. Same problem. You problem? giant shark movie hardly any deaths. Neutered? Super neutered. Come on. And that's Turtle what I was Tob. Like, I was like I'm going to see this movie. You promised me a giant shark movie. Yeah. If he's not killing like half of the cast, I'm not interested. Right. And he doesn't. Like Well, the thing is if the poster is a picture of what looks like a shark about to engulf a human whole. That had better be a prevalent plot point to the film. I mean, and it happens maybe like once or twice. Boo! But I will say this. Like, 90% of the cast makes it to the end. And it's a big cast. <laughs> like, what? Okay, let me. well, let me just ask. Because even if it's not super gory or, or, or whatever, what we expect, is it... Fun? It's fun. It's totally okay. fun. It's totally fun. But I read an article afterwards that made a lot of sense that said apparently Turtle Tob's original script was R. Okay. So originally the the movie was planned to be R rated, 
Well, like, I read they were going in full on R. I had read that that Statham signed on because he thought it was going to be a gory and he shark and movie. he said it was intended. Turtle Top has said it was intended to be a very bloody, very gory shark movie. Like this was going to be uh, people heads. This was going to be yeah. piranha. 3D, uh, 3DD, with a gigantic shark. With a gigantic shark. I'd have been on board for that. And he said that he was approached by the studio, ah, and they studio. said, "We, we feel like this movie needs to be PG-13, and we feel like it needs to appeal to the largest it's audience a, possible." They wanted it to be. A, I, I said it earlier, a four quadrant film. That's exactly what they, they wanted. wanted it, and that and so always neuter stuff. Turtle Top has gone on record saying that he was bummed because what he wanted, right. he said, you know, he likes this movie and it's fun. Sure. But what he wanted to make and what he set out to make was a gory giant shark Which, killer movie. Honestly, it's sort of weird for when you hire Turtle Top, like the guy behind National Treasure, you're going to get a popcorn fun family right. flick. Like it, he, Turtle Top does, is not gory shark movie for me i feel like you hire him on when you decide the direction you want to go sure but you know again i'm not gonna put it out there that he couldn't direct something like that but i think national treasure when i think of him oh yeah Um, regardless of the rest of his filmography but there was one scene that he like outlined in the movie that was originally supposed to be in it and he he didn't say who he said in the movie there was supposed to be a scene where one of the main characters you think he is still alive like his head is moving or okay. something, and then the camera pans back and it's like his severed head, oh, just still talking. That'd have been cool. And he was like, "But that had to get cut because there's no way that would have made a PG-13 rating." And I'm like, "Fuck, that sounds cool. Like that that's what I wanted neat. to see. Like I wanted to see a yeah. shark come up, bite off a dude's <laughs> body. You see his head, like he survived, and he's like, <laughs> and then it just like pans pans back and his fucking body's gone and his head is just like i love that twitching and shit still alive i also heard there was a scene with like a t-rex at the beginning they got cut which i really did you hear about that that. i can i can explain this to you i think this was in a statham interview i read but he was saying that the original opener of the film wasn't jason statham so apparently it opens yeah and it does okay this one started off in prehistoric times and there's a bunch of like duckbill dinosaurs um, eating and feasting in water. And then all of a sudden a T-Rex pummels through the trees and catches one. And he's like eating it in the water. And then this wave comes up and you see a beast in the wave. And then it eats the Tyrannosaurus Rex and it's like feet are up in the air. And then a huge pool of blood like comes up like where the T-Rex was. Oh my was. God. I would have been so into that right like that was apparently that was the uh, opener of the script that jason statham signed on to be in and he was saying he was bummed because that got cut i would have been i'm bummed that that got cut that sounds amazing but i will say that that movie much like blumhouse movies that movie fucking crushed at the box office and this is why i am curious on you know again this is just our opinion sitting here talking so maybe that's why not that's why we're not studio heads because it did seem to work quote unquote financially. But see, I think the problem. But see that and that has nothing to do with the studio's decision because here's mm-hmm. the thing, the big numbers that it made opening weekend, I guarantee those numbers are all gonna fall off in second week. That's probably true because people are going to the theater expecting one thing and they are leaving like I did mm-hmm. disappointed that I got a neutered and then shark telling movie. somebody telling totally. other people that just like I'm telling right. you like yeah it's and fun and we're telling everyone who's listening it's yeah. exactly it's fun mm-hmm. well basically like I said just telling you here's so, the here's the saving grace that could happen though they could pull what I would call a pacific rim is you know Guillermo del Toro spent a shit ton of money making pacific rim sort of bombed here but it annihilated it already did in china it already did so and that's why pacific rim 2 is terrible but focused on china and chinese actors this movie is it the predictions had it at 20 million mm-hmm. this movie opened with 44.5 million so it right. doubled the predictions but then worldwide uh, like 110 yeah it was something yeah it was another like yeah. huge it's already made its budget back well i was looking opening at it weekend i was looking into it a little bit because 
it's a giant shark movie. I was a little excited about of it. Of course. But apparently, this was in production hell for years. Like, there was a book in the 90s that it's based off of. Yeah. It's gone through, like, five or six different scripts. Finally, this version of it got made basically because they got backed by a Chinese production company. Yeah, it was like and, a, almost a Chinese co-production. And it was. And one of the rules they had in their – basically in their agreement was a major scene has to take place at a Chinese location. And it and does. And a certain number of characters have to be Chinese. And they are. And so – I'm not saying that in inherently in itself would, you know, sink a movie. No pun intended. But I think that having so many different hands involved with so many different priorities that weren't let's make the best shark movie possible. Sure. I really do think you know they set out to hit a four quadrant fan, like wide ranging film, and that's what they got. Is that going to be what I want? Probably not. But that's what they got, and that's what they wanted, so I guess it's a win for them. And that's what brings us back to Blumhouse again, right. is Blumhouse isn't worried about the four right. quadrants. Blumhouse would have let them make an R-rated The Meg yeah. if they could figure out how to do it for $5, five million. million yeah. They would have totally been like, yeah, absolutely, make this giant shark movie, right? make it look as good as you can. You know what I mean? Because yeah. that is one thing that people tend to – I feel like some people have kind of that – a wrong-headed opinion about is they think low budget means shitty effects and shitty movie. Right. Well, but, upgrade but, is exactly kind of the, is a, a version of that that's not that. You can absolutely make a very good, very visually exciting film for five million dollars. It's totally doable. Well, I mean, think. Uh, let's just take some of the movies we've already talked about. Get out. Yep. Incredibly engaging visually beautiful yeah but when you think about it relatively simple story yep not absolutely. a lot of effects needed upgrade i don't know how they made that movie for five million dollars that whole thing is special effects sure. to a degree sure to a degree um i mean oculus yep there's a lot of special effects, a lot of in, effects that one. in that um, was mama blumhouse maybe i i didn't see it on the list that i was looking up i think you have a pulled up list. yeah i'm gonna look it up um but I mean, and even you know, Black Klansman that's coming out. You know, again, not sci-fi special effects. I mean, not special effects heavy, but you know, it works. Uh, or it works. I, I imagine it will work. I bet. I imagine it will be amazing. Yeah, that's a Muschietti. I bet that's like a focus. Yeah, no, it was actually like a forehead production company. Oh, it was. Mm -hmm. I was thinking that would that one would feel more like a focus features or like an Annapurna. Yeah, Annapurna is another one. We didn't talk about them, but they're they're really good. They did. They do a lot of the the Paul Thomas Anderson movies. So they did Phantom Thread. They did The Master, um, but they also did you know like Detroit and Killing Them Softly, and then that Professor Marston and the Wonder Woman. It's like oh, yeah. so. Annapurna puts out a lot of, a lot of good ones. Zero Dark Thirty, Spring Breakers, um, a lot of fun. Sausage Party. That's one of my favorite Annapurna ones. The Seth Rogen. Uh, I forgot about Party. that one. Yeah, that one's good. I like that one a lot. Um, yeah, I mean, honestly, did I think you were telling me beforehand that the the Blumhouse model and the way Jason Blum has set this up has become synonymous, like with his name. It's like a process known in the Hollywood echelon now. Like, yeah, oh, this is the Jason Blum. Model. It's the Blum formula. This is the, the Blum formula. Yeah, yeah, and it's exactly what it is. Like he has created something that has never been done. Right. And has executed it so perfectly that it's basically it is its own yeah. thing now. Yeah. And that is a super fucking impressive. And B, Jason Blum is not an old dude. No, no, he's not. You know what I'm saying? And so the fact that he has made this um empire, if you will, is pretty fucking nuts. He's forty nine yeah. years old. I'm very impressed with him. And oh, by the way, Jason, if you're listening, we totally make movies. Yeah, we want to work with you. We have some genre shit. So. If you have $5 million, we have a lot of good horror ideas. Holy and we have scripts shit. in the works. We totally do. So Jason is looking at you, kid. That's also for real. We got scripts in the works. Yeah, guys. no, like we're not like that's like, not that's, one of that's our not normal a jokey jokes. We're just also cueing you in. Yeah. Like we got shit going. We got so irons in the fire. Get on board. So, um, but it's serious though. So let's let's think about this. He Jason Blum's forty nine. Mm -hmm. That means when he put out Paranormal Activity in two thousand nine, he was just about to turn forty. Right, and he had already put out a lot. That wasn't their first movie. Right. But I'm just saying, 
just about to turn 40. Dude, we're quickly approaching that. I know. And we haven't done anything near fucking Blumhouse level hey, proportions. Now, we've put out 104 episodes of That's this true. award watching podcast. Yes, 100%. So don't, right. don't, let's not. Accolades decry. have been given to many podcasts before. And we are a podcast. We are in that genre yeah. of the shows that have been. And, and been and, mentioned. And, and Jason, we're not sure if you're doing the upcoming killer podcast movie, but you know what? If you're not, we got one for you. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about it. Let's talk. Hey. Hey. Hey, hey Jason. That's like you, weird. You're you like weirdly. Hey. 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 Uh, I'm like, why are you showing I'm me hitting, your leg? I'm hitting on Jason Marsden. I mean, um, Jason Blum. <laughs> I, well, I'm always. Freudian hitting, slip. I'm always hitting on Jason Marsden, but I'm hitting on Jason Blum via the podcast but i'm showing you my leg i know it's really that's why i was confused i was like you're showing me you're like hey jason and you're like slowly rolling up your see what i'm wanting as i'm gonna be seducing jason blum and i was gonna have you narrate but you were just asking me about my legs now i will say something interesting um there's been a lot of speaking of jason blum directly there's been a lot of backlash lately about uh, the Academy Awards adding a category. Oh my god! Adding the best in popular film. I can't even category. I can't roll my eyes hard enough. Now, that. weirdly enough, it has been reported Jason Blum is on board and is a supporter of this category. Oh, of course. Why would he? Because that means his fucking movies are totally gonna get nominated. Yeah. What better way to like that? The biggest problem with this new Oscar category is how do you define popular? And so it's going to have to be box office return and profit margin. And Jason Blum's got that in the bag. For sure. And honestly, I don't know if it would feel like it was taking it away because I was so excited when Get Out got nominated for Best Picture. Absolutely. So excited. Absolutely. But if it won this new category of like Best Achievement and Popular Film, I kind of would be like, but it was like nominated for Best Picture, so it was a, a thing, right. a big deal. Now, if we're being completely honest about it, let's all take a step back from these award shows. These got started decades ago for sure. when it mattered, when the studios needed people to come to the movies, and no one had any way of knowing where those levels were. So having once a year the Academy get together and tell everyone, be like, you should see Anne of Green Gables right. or, hey, Titanic is really good. It, like, those types of things mattered. But nowadays we have award shows every other weekend. Sure. So who cares? And we have a little thing called social media. Where everyone's talking about everything that's good all, all the, the time. time. Right. Basically. And now- everything that's bad. Yeah. Nowadays, I mean, you know I love the Oscars, QI. You sure. have you over to my house every yep. year. We do the high five Oscar party. We do the the super secret uh, Oscar party. Um, and so I love it mainly just for the nostalgia factor. I love honoring films. Sure. But really, if I'm being honest, the Oscars nowadays is just a marketing arm. It's, oh, we want to be able to put winner of best picture sure. on our Blu-ray case so people will buy it and then re-release the movie as a special edition. Absolutely. I'm not naive to that fact. Listen, everybody listening to the podcast, I get it. I just happen to like honoring movies. Yeah. And that's the one event or one award show every year that I'll watch that's right. that does it. And I kind of ignore the rest, except for maybe like the BAFTAs. BAFTAs and, and, yeah. and Screen Actors Guild sort of matter to me. All right. But whatever. All right. Way to rep your fucking award. Ah, whatever. No, I just love it. I think that's hilarious. <laughs> I, w- I hope more people are like, BAFTA for life. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> It's so weird that you like hardly repped those. You were like, I am on board for the BAFTAs. <laughs> I, I like the BAFTAs. Come on. They've got good taste. They, they taste delicious. They do. Like crepes and English muffins. Like crepes. I love that. Uh, <laughs> but seriously, um, you know, in regards to these movies, Blumhouse, uh, in regards to this type of movie, Blumhouse is really the epitome mm-hmm. of where a genre movie would like to live yeah. to get national acclaim well and one of the things that i truly appreciate about about blumhouse and what they've been working towards and have actually accomplished is 
there every couple years or every little bit there's a resurgence of the love of horror movies. So you'll get the slasher, you know, movies from the 80s. You'll get kind of the deep cuts. We had a little bit of a, a lull in the 90s, but then Twisted Pictures came around. And Twisted Pictures brought back a lot. And so we had the saws and the legendaries and things like that. But I think Blumhouse has really taken that new new version of horror and really reintroduced it to the mainstream, which I personally just... Oh, I totally, 100%. Absolutely. <gasps> oh, shit. Oh, you I, know what time it is, I do Jay. know what time it is. It's time for the Jenna Jabber. Jenna Jabber. If you grew up in the 90s, then you probably recognize Jenna Von Oy, and you're freaking out right now. Jenna, 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 Jenna. We do this gag every time we do a Jenna Jabber. We just say your name repeatedly until you stop listening to the show. Which uh, probably has already happened, like happened way before, before you this. even got to the Jenna Jenna Jennas. Um, you know, last week we we told everybody about your haberdash adversity. That's right. Um, and so now, what we are wanting to introduce people to is your newest venture, which is your own movie production company. It is, and it is hashtag Six Pictures. I like it. And yeah. the way it works is, Jenna will put up kind of like she's following the Blumhouse model. I like it. Blumhouse puts up $5 million. Well, mm -hmm. that wouldn't make sense for a six production company. Right, right. Right. So she puts up $6. Dollars, yeah. Doll hair. $6. Yeah. To anyone's film idea. Anyone. She will, she will, you could just pitch it. She'll make it. If you can make it for $6, she will absolutely yeah. do it. And, and honestly, some of the, uh, some of the, the titles that they've got working, I'm very excited about. There's a get in. There is a get in. Um, there's Sanister. That is, there is a Sanister. That's um, correct. I, I think there's a, there's uh, an Insidious. <laughs> spelled the same way, but just with a capital I in right. the middle, which because makes all the difference. Right. Um, there's uh, Paranormal Behavior. She's she's got a movie in production. Loud. She's got the Lightness. Yeah. Oh, uh, she's got that new M Night Shyamalan picture, Merge. <laughs> yeah, yeah, she's also got one that's called Wood. <laughs> You can figure out all these jokes on your own time, everybody. Yeah. Um, but honestly, what we really want to come back around to say is that, Jenna, anything you're putting your effort behind, anything and your, your doll hairs, your six dollars behind, um, is something that we care about. Is something that we want to promote. Um, we do really like that you listen to the show on a regular basis. We've been told by nobody, and so we want you to know that we are also supporting what you're doing. So come on our show. Tell us about the movies that you have in production. If you guys have ideas of Blumhouse movies that should be done for $6 and produced by Six Pictures, tweet them at, at Jenna Von Oy. Jenna Von Oy. Hashtag Six Pictures. Hashtag Six Pictures. And, uh, and, then, and she'll know. She'll, she'll know. Also, send her your ideas for classes for her Habitash Diversity. Send her your reviews of I Feel Pretty. Right. And send then her pictures of your hair. And toys that look like Jason Marsden, right. as well as your chili recipes, and then ask her to ask Jason Marsden for his chili recipe. Right. Um, but really, this week, focus on the six pictures. We're really trying to build uh, some steam up for that. Right. Um, and, you know, Jason Blum, coming on your heels. That's right. We're going to take all these ideas and steal them and pitch them to Blum's. <laughs> That's the plan. For six dollars. All right. So, back in. Back in. Um, so, I guess we're kind of at that time. Yeah, I mean, where we, where we make a list? Should we rank the top five Blumhouse movies? Should we list? This is where we do the list. This is where we make a list. The list. Oh man, we're gonna list over here, and we're gonna list over there. We're gonna list in the sky and list in a chair. We're gonna list in some socks and list in a box, and we'll list with that fox, and we'll list some rocks. Give you a list that. Don't knox. Yeah. Yep. I got nothing after yep. that. A list with the pox. Ooh, okay. Yeah. Sure. A list by some jocks. Hey, don't get it. it it's two shocks. Yeah, a list TikToks. <laughs> All right, I got nothing. Uh, it's time to list. So we're going to do a list of top five Blumhouse, Blumhouse feature mm -hmm. films. So, I mean, obviously, we've talked a lot about Get Out. Get Out is 100% on the top five list. Yeah. Where it falls, I don't know yet. 
it, close to the top, but very yeah. close to the top. I think Whiplash should be on there. I'm just infatuated with that movie. Whiplash is good. I do agree. I feel like it is the best drama that they have put out. Probably is that yeah. fair? I think that's totally fair. Um, Let's I would see. say that needs to be on there. Um, I'm gonna throw out and say Creep needs to be on Ooh, there. Yeah, they did do Creep, and that's a movie if people haven't seen with Mark Duplass that you need to watch. You need to watch it. Creep two, me. But Creep but one, Creep. It's on Netflix still, isn't it? Yes. Okay. So you, I believe so. You guys need to go watch that immediately. No reason not to be able to watch Creep. It's, um, if it's not on Netflix, it's no. streaming. I Check would it say it'd be hard to get out of this list without at least acknowledging Paranormal Activity. I agree. I, I, I'm not saying near the top, but I just think because it facilitated their model. No, you're right. Because you're right. You're right. Yeah. You're right. I totally agree. I think that that's fine. Now we haven't seen Black Klansman. No. Um. So forgive us. If that this... one's not going to be on the list only because we haven't seen right. it. Right. It probably would be if I'm being honest. Um, given the. But we'll say that this list is top five pre Black Klansman. Yeah. Blumhouse movies. Um, I would say. Da, 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 da. I mean, I like the Purge movies, but I don't think any of them are just revolutionary. I don't. I was about to say I don't. I, I, I like, like them fine. I'll tell you what I like. I like Purge two. Oh, better yeah. than I like any of the other Purge movies. I think two and three. Which one was Election Year? That was three. That was three. I think two and three. The Anarchy and Election Year. I are... haven't seen the newest one, the first Purge. Yeah, neither have I. But I didn't. But... I actually didn't care for the Ethan Hawke one. I I thought okay. Here's where I stand on the Purge. I thought I think the Purge is a fantastic idea. Yep. And I think Ethan Hawke did wonderfully in his role. I think Cersei Lannister did really good in her role. I just do, I just don't think that it came together with the vision that the writer and director wanted it to be, and I think that he was able to explore that vision better in the second and third one. Agreed. But those got a little unwieldy to a point where it was maybe a detriment to the story. But now they've got Purge everything. They've got a yeah. Purge TV series like coming a purge out. Purge the Island coming out. I'm sure they're going to do another you know Purge after the first Purge. They got Purge. Which, by the way... That's going to make it crazy Purge confusing. The home game. Like in five years. <laughs> I like Purge the home game from Mattel as you start a timer and for six hours everyone in the family can just kill, each, kill other. each other. And whoever survives, it's like Jumanji. Whoever survives at the end wins, purge the, wins, purge the board game. Yep. It just comes with a bunch of knives and a single bullet. Yep. Yeah. That's it. No gun. No. Just the just, bullet. You just press the bullet into someone's head real hard. Yep. Um. Honestly, other than that, like there are some fun movies on here. Lords of Salem, I didn't think was as abysmal as you know as what was thought. surprisingly better than I thought. Dark Skies. I don't remember that one. That was the one with um, the alien one. Yep. Is that the Jewish alien? It had one? Carrie Russell. Oh, I do remember that one now. Okay. And um, J.K. Simmons was in that as well. I love me some J.K. He was in Whiplash. I think he was what Whiplash. To me, he was what to me made Whiplash just. Oculus Amazing. is on here. What'd you think of Oculus? I really liked Oculus. Oculus, I thought Mike Flanagan surprised me with what it was. Now, it's a pretty run-of-the-mill horror movie, but it's got pretty great ending, and just the way the story flows, I thought was really good. It's a it's an extremely serviceable movie. One that I was surprised by was Hush. Ooh, Hush is fantastic. Okay, so let's let's make our list, or let's let's count off what we've got so far. We've got okay. Get Out. Okay, yeah, most right, definitely, absolutely, Get Out. We've got you argued for paranormal activity, and I and I will agree with you, despite the quality of its sequels. Oh yeah, no, I'm not is, talking whole series. Here. It is what launched. It is what launched, um, the Blumhouse, Blumhouse. model. Yep. So we've got that. Um, what else have we said so far? Whiplash. Yes, we did talk about Whiplash. We said Whiplash. I'm was writing some of these down. We talked about. Um, you talked about Creep, which I would uh, which I would agree yep. with. Um, we talked about uh, – let me add in um, – oh, fuck. So Get Out, Whiplash, Creep, Paranormal, Activity. What else did we talk about? Um, I mean, we, we talked about uh, Hush a little bit. We talked about – Man, Hush is so good. Hush is really good. Split? Split, it was good. I liked Hush better. Um, if we're like comparing now, and yeah. I feel like we kind of have to, well, because we're above five right. at this point. I like I liked Sinister mm-hmm. a lot. 
with Ethan Hawke. I like that movie a lot, a lot. They, that was another one where the sequel fell real short, but the first one was was real good. It was surprise. It was one of those surprisingly good. Yeah. Like I was like, this movie's gonna be fine, and then I watched it. And I was like, that was pretty wow, damn that was good. Really scary. <laughs> um, what else is on on the list that you're looking at that um, that should the be visit considered? was actually good. That was kind of the resurgence of M Night Shyamalan's career. I liked Split better than that. I liked The Visit better than I like Split. Really? Yeah, I thought Split was fine. Sounds like we're split on Split. I felt I felt like can I can I spoil Split real quick? Oh sure, I don't care. I've um, seen it. So for me, the what genuinely made Split a good movie and had it not had it as a stinger at the end, I probably would have oh, been like Bruce that movie's Willis fine. Thing. The fact that it is a fucking backdoor unbreakable sequel yeah. blew my mind open. But had that not been in there, I would have left the movie being like, that was fine. I, I would have left the movie saying, damn, James, James McAvoy is fantastic. Now, he's fantastic, he's, but the movie isn't great. Like, no, the movie's pretty— Really not a lot happens in that movie, to he be He happens a lot. That's, yes. that's really what the movie is, is a vehicle for James McAvoy to be amazing. Right. And I think he pulls that off, and so it's memorable for me. But I will say that the reason I – if and I don't know why we're arguing just these two, but – Sure, no. I, but the reason I say The Visit is better is because Visit was a wholly original story. Right. That I felt like actually told a story in the end reveal, although I called it a little in advance, was pretty fucking intriguing. Oh, yeah. No, I, I dug I dug The Visit. I thought it was – Especially coming off of like Airbender and the happening and all that's what I'm saying. It like, it started the resurgence of M Night Shyamalan of people being like, okay, we'll give him another shot. Because for I a while there, people were like, fuck you, M Night Shyamalan. Yeah. Like we're not watching any more of your fucking yeah. movies. But now people are like, oh shit, another M Night Shyamalan movie. Can't wait for yeah. that shit. And honestly, I'm real pumped for Glass. Oh yeah, I think it's super. It looks pumped. fucking awesome. Um. We didn't. We you mentioned it earlier, but we haven't listed it. The gift. Ooh, ooh. Okay. And especially put... with the gift, the way where the ending comes in, I just think the writing is so on point for that one. Yeah. Um, I did like the gift a lot. Here, let me list off the seven that we have, and then you can tell me if there's any that you think need to be kicked out and added. Okay. Um, we have Get Out. Yep. Whiplash, Creep, Paranormal Activity, Hush, Sinister, and The Gift. Okay. Those are the ones we have right now. For me, I am really okay and fine and happy to lock in Get Out as number one. Yeah. I just – I don't think – That's what I was going to say. I Get just, Out, number one, I feel I feel confident with that decision. Yeah, me too. Yeah, I feel like that's the so far the best yeah. Blumhouse movie they've put out. So of those seven, which one should we knock off without question? I would say – uh, read them to me again. Say, uh, well, I won't say get out, but Whiplash, uh-huh. Creep, yep. Paranormal Activity, uh-huh. Hush, Sinister, and The Gift. I'm so gonna we've say, got to eliminate. I'm going to say The Gift. we got to eliminate The Gift. I'm okay with that. Although, everybody, go watch The Gift. Like You'll be it very surprised by how much you enjoy it. Yes. I really agreed. do think so. Um, so for me, I, I really think Paranormal Activity needs to be two or three. I have a problem putting it above Whiplash because I just think Whiplash is a technically superior film. Yeah. And it was nominated for a bunch of awards. Sort of launched Dame, Damien Chavez. Uh, what's his last name? Damien Chazé. Chazé. I wanted to say Chavez, but it was Chazé. Um, you know, he went into La La Land right after Whiplash. Yep. For me, I just think it's a it, – it also stepped up the Blumhouse game to say, hey, we're – we're players in this. I agree with that. Um, so for me, I would probably put Whiplash second and Paranormal third. But then again, you know, the horror resurgence generating the Blumhouse model, Paranormal might be more important to the actual existence of the company. Sure. There's an argument to be made there. Sure. Um, I'd say those two for me are two and three yep. in some order. Yep, 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 yep. Agree. I'm going to have to say I feel Paranormal is two. Okay. Only because, once again, when I think Blumhouse, I think horror. I still think that's the genre mm-hmm. they do best. That's like two or three lists that Paranormal Activity has been high up on for us because it was also in uh, found footage. That's right. I mean, it's a solid, to be it's honest, the concept film. is solid. 
It and is it a works. solid idea. It was a new, fresh take on mm-hmm. found footage, which is hard to yeah. do nowadays. You and can't... it worked. And that it did work. That was the thing. It was, it was scary as shit. I remember watching it in the theater. The silences, th- seeing it in a theater environment really did make it better. Right. It it just worked. So I'm fine with Get Out, number one. Yep. Paranormal Activity, number two. Whiplash, Whiplash number, three. number three. So what we have left, we have Creep, Hush, and Sinister. I'm going to go, I think Creep has to be number four. I I say Creep 4, Sinister 5. Yeah, I'm good with that. I love Hush. I love Mike Flanagan. I think Sinister is a better film than Hush. Agreed. Especially since Hush was admittedly a catapult to get Gerald's game. Sure. Which he Gerald's was, game is so much better. He wanted to show that he could make a single character movie, yeah. basically. And man, he did. So if you haven't seen Hush, it's a high five watch list. Go see it. Absolutely. Um, so here's what we've got. Number five, Sinister. Number four, Creep. And this is the Mark Duplass Creep, not the British Subway Creep. Yes, Everybody, make sure that... Mark Duplass, found footage, wolf mask, peach fuzz, Creep. creep. Yep. Okay. Number three, Whiplash. Number two, Paranormal Activity. And number one with a bullet is Get Out. Yeah, I fucking love it. That is our opinion and yours for yep. the top five Blumhouse pictures um, prior to Black Klansman. Because honestly, Black Klansman, given the early buzz, probably be number like two or three. Yeah, for sure. I have a feeling that's gonna that's gonna earn its spot very quickly. Yeah, but we just haven't seen it, so forgive us. Uh, but of the ones we have seen and the ones that exist out in the world to see, there's your list. Man. So there you go. There it is. I'm I'm scared by how good that was. I'm scared by how good I think our movie is going to be. Oh man, our movie with the uh, two podcasters, one mic? Question yep. mark. Yep. I, I love it. I think the big twist of it should be there are actually two mics and one podcaster. Holy shit. We have reached the end of another High Five, the podcast episode. It's time to lock up the writer's room and rest comfortably, knowing we knocked out another great list of things you should be watching. If the guys didn't mention your favorites this week in their lists, you can harass them by emailing them at myfive at highfivethepodcast.com. That's M-Y-F-I-V-E at H-I-G-H-F-I-V-E T-H-E-P-O-D-C-A-S-T dot com. Got that? Or connecting with them on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash high five the podcast. On Twitter at high the number five the podcast. Instagram at high five the podcast. Or on Letterboxd by searching high five colon the podcast. Don't forget to subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or wherever else you listen to podcasts and drop the show a five-star rating to show us some love. What's the worst that could happen? Getting recast in your own life? Maybe. See you next week. And that's a wrap, everybody. Cut, Casper. That's a wrap. Cut, printed. What happens in the next reel? Cut. Okay, that's a print. Okay, cut. That's a wrap. That's a wrap, people. Now let's get the hell out of here.